Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, the Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Laura Shane McWhorter, a pharmacist and certified diabetes care and education specialist based in Salt Lake City, Utah, joins us to explain how diabetes care and education specialists can support individuals who wish to take supplements to support their cardiometabolic health. You'll learn how to provide person-centered care that maintains trust while following evidence-based guidance. Want access to the latest research shaping the future of diabetes care and education? Then check out ADCES's core research journal, The Science of Diabetes Self-Management and Care. This member-only publication can be found online at diabeteseducator.org forward slash T-S-O. Laura, welcome to the huddle. Thank you, Kirsten. I am delighted to be here today and talk to so many of my colleagues who are often perplexed by clients who are using dietary supplements. So one of the things I would like to do is really try and elaborate on what we can do as diabetes care and education specialists to be able to work with clients to be able to promote safe use of supplements. Well, we are so pleased to have you on for this conversation. Like you noted, you know, I'm talking to more and more diabetes care and education specialists who say their clients are taking supplements along with their prescribed medications, which is great because that says people are engaged and inspired to manage their health, but there's also a ton of information out there on how to actually do this safely and for the best outcomes. So you are my go-to person for information on supplements. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners so they can get to know you and how you got your interest in developing expertise in this area? Yes, thank you. Well, I think one of the key issues is that in working with primary care providers in clinics, often they would come to me and I was the clinician who was the diabetes care and education specialist and pharmacist. And I would be asked about supplements that clients are taking. And the primary care providers really wanted more information so that they could provide evidence-based information about safe use of these products. So what ended up happening was I ended up looking up a lot of information and this became lists of products with what they were, how they worked, potential side effects and drug interactions. This became lots of different services for providers and grand rounds. And then my very, very first national presentation was in 2000 for the American Diabetes Association. 
And just a few short months afterwards, it was a general session at the annual meeting for AADE. So at that time, I was asked to write a chapter in what is now the desk reference on dietary supplements. And so I have written that chapter several times. And I have also written books that the American Diabetes Association has published. And even another book will be out later this year. So I love that you talked about working with primary care because really you're bringing this information and expertise to the care team, right? Yes. Wow, fantastic. Okay, so what exactly are supplements? Can you give us a quick explanation? Sure. Well, a dietary supplement is a product that is taken by mouth that contains a dietary ingredient that is actually intended to supplement the diet. So some of the ingredients in these supplements include vitamins and minerals, but it could include herbals or botanicals, amino acids, or other substances such as hormones. So for instance, melatonin is a hormone. And I think it's important to know that supplements for cardiometabolic health may include those used for um, managing glucose so that it maintains, so that it is maintained at a safe level, or elevated blood pressure, or elevated cholesterol, or weight loss. And some examples that are commonly used in the cardiometabolic space would include, for instance, such things as berberine, milk thistle, turmeric, zinc, bitter melon, Garcinia cambogia, probiotics. And actually, there are about 1,200 different products that could be used. So those are just some of the commonly used products. 1200 that, that that number blows my mind so would you say so these are do you say most of these are effective and powerful well you know that's the thing there is a lot of evidence that is out there and the the literature and research in this area has really exploded but i think the important thing is to realize that taking supplements is something that clients may do And so it's important for a clinician to learn whether or not they are taking the product. And a DCES should be able to weigh in in a non-judgmental and evidence-based approach by becoming familiar with the literature. And the other thing about this is that the DCES can navigate these conversations because they are trained in motivational interviewing, and they also have very trusting relationships that they have developed with clients. So let me give you an example of a woman who came to our clinic. This is one of the stories I like to remember. So this was a young woman who had crossed the line going from pre-diabetes into diabetes. But she did not want to start metformin because she didn't believe in drugs. So she came in to clinic with a bag full of different types of supplements. And one by one, we went through them. And 
um, we were trying to convince her that it was important for her to try metformin. And she said, you know, I don't really want to take drugs. I don't believe in drugs. However, one of the things that I did was I explained that metformin is a biguanide. And biguanides are actually related to the plant Galega officinalis. And I was able to address her concerns with this. And I explained that this is something that works in the liver to be able to prevent release of glucose. But one of the newer aspects of metformin as to why it works is that it may actually increase the uh, supply of a beneficial bacteria in the microbiome called Acromantia mucinophila, which uh, often is found in probiotic uh, products. So she felt a lot better about using metformin because she felt like, well, you've explained to me why this is natural, and I so I am happy to try this. You know, I love that, that you did what so many diabetes care and education specialists do so well is listen to their clients. And then you're able to translate like this really important information in a way that's meaningful to them, which you know kind of brings me to my next question, which is how can our diabetes care and education specialists really engage their clients in, in the supplements and provide guidance? Well, you know, this is a very big opportunity for a DCES to be able to help the person and use the supplement safely if that's something they choose to do. And working with a DCES then allows that individual to monitor their progress and also uh, evaluate any potential risks. So as with any situation, one of the very first things that a DCES may want to do is to evaluate the whole person first and ask, why do you want to use this product? What is it that you hope to achieve? Is it that you want your glucose levels to be uh, within a healthier range? Or do you want your blood pressure to normalize? Or do you want your weight to normalize? What is your belief about this product? And where did you obtain information? And also, I think it's important for the DCES to assess that individual for any potential risk of adverse effects and drug, supplement, or disease interactions based on their current health standing and some of their clinical parameters, such as their liver function or renal function or medications they are taking. And it's also important to be able to see what else is going on with that person. For instance, if that person is scheduled for surgery, one of the recommendations is to stop supplements two weeks prior to that surgery. Well, you hit on something that was on my mind, which was uh, patient safety and risks, because sometimes it does feel like it's the Wild West out there with all these supplements and coming back to that 1200 that you mentioned. So you, you touched on it. You touched on the safety and risks. But as we begin to you know, balance the, the benefits of risks um, in, in supplements, risk benefit analysis, let's start with risks. Are there any additional risks associated with these supplements? Yes, I'm very glad you asked that question because there are three specific categories of products that warrant close scrutiny. Products used for weight loss, products used for men's health, 
or bodybuilding. And it's important to remember that some groups are more vulnerable. For instance, children or pregnant or breastfeeding women or persons who have liver or renal disease or the elderly. Also, it's important to know that some supplements, even though they may be great products, can interfere with certain results of certain laboratory evaluations. And in choosing a quality supplement, it's important to realize that manufacturers and the source of the supplements all play important roles so that we can better evaluate the safety of that product. So some specific examples. Okay, hibiscus tea is very popular in the Hispanic populations. And I work mostly with Hispanic populations here in Salt Lake. And I grew up in Texas, so I speak Spanish. And so people come to me and ask me about using agua de jamaica, which is the Spanish word for hibiscus tea. Well, this is something that could be dangerous to pregnant women. Or another one is fenugreek, which now has been known to be teratogenic and associated with certain birth defects. Or bitter melon, which may have ingredients that may lead to a miscarriage. On the other hand, there are some products that may be beneficial, including such things as milk thistle or berberine that may have beneficial, amazing products for lowering A1C and improving lipids or maybe even liver function and possibly even work for other complications. However, it's important to know that there can still be drug interactions that berberine may have with other products so that it may increase serum concentrations of other products. And the same thing goes for milk thistle. The other thing is that there are certain products that may be very beneficial but may interfere with lab tests. For instance, biotin, which works very well to to improve hair, skin, and nail health, but biotin can potentially interfere with certain thyroid tests. So it's important for the provider to know if the patient is on this so that the client may be asked to discontinue this a few days before a thyroid test. Or if that person goes into the ER and is having a heart attack, biotin can falsely lower the level of enzymes that are indicative of a heart attack. And even with certain types of COVID-19 and antibody testing, uh, biotin may interfere with, with that uh, lab. You know, I love those examples that you just gave. And, and the big thing that I heard is, and you know, with the benefits, there's this accessibility piece, like, you know, there's the benefits to these supplements and people can actually access them really easily. But then there's also these risks. <clears throat> And, and, and okay, so not our thousands of diabetes care and education specialists can all pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, Laura, what are, what's the uh, risk benefit analysis for the, for the supplement, right? You, you could never you could never manage all of that. There has to be some practical resources out there, right? Like trusted practical resources that people can access? Great question. 
what we're looking for is evidence-based information. One of my favorite go-to websites is the Natural Medicines website, which in academic settings is actually free for clinicians. It's not always free. It can be purchased, but also clients may purchase this. But one of the best aspects of this is that the evidence is actually updated on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and it provides links to actual articles. The other thing about this is that it's published by prescriber's letter and pharmacist's letter. Another great resource is the National Institutes of Health Natural Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. And then there's a free app through NIH called Herblist that you can download on your phone. It doesn't list all the possible products, but a lot of the more popular ones. There's also the Merck Manual, which has a uh, chapter on dietary supplements that is available online for free to, and is um, there's a consumer version and a healthcare professional version. And then some other websites from the FDA. There's one called Tips for the Savvy Supplement User and another one that I love called Tips for Older Supplement Users. Wow, those are great resources. I think we're going to go ahead and put those in our show notes so people can access them pretty easily. And Laura, I hate when we come to this point. These conversations are always too short for me, but we only have a couple minutes left. And I wanted to give you the chance to talk, you know, really directly to our listeners and say, hey, here's what you can do today to support your clients who are interested in taking supplements. Great. Uh, one of the first things is that we need to have a very positive attitude with clients and really be able to explain to them that we will be working with them and help them and assist them and that they shouldn't stop their regular medicines and consider that supplements are not a substitute for healthy nutrition or physical activity and that they should let their prescriber know they're using the products and also help our patients determine whether the product is safe, such as looking on the bottle to determine whether the brand is appropriate. And some things to look for are whether or not there's manufacturer contact information to determine whether appropriate testing has been done and what is the source of information. Is it published studies? Or is it testimonials? Uh, remind patients to stop supplements two weeks before surgery. And then familiarize yourself with the trusted sources of information and be prepared to share them with patients. One of the websites I didn't mention is one that is the FDA tainted product list, which has ingredients that uh, have been found to have uh, adulterated uh, contaminants in them. But the important thing is that we work with our patients because we are here to try and maintain and help support their wellness and help guide them through their exciting healthcare journey. Well, thank you so much, Laura. I learned a ton today and I kind of feel like I'm ready to, to hit the drugstore or the health food store and maybe take on these supplements and maybe do something with my own health too. So thank you so much for coming and sharing. I know our listeners are going to learn so much from this. 
you are most welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. As Laura mentioned, it is very likely you'll come across people with diabetes, prediabetes, and cardiometabolic conditions in your practice who may want to try supplements to achieve certain health outcomes. As the clinician, you can take a non-judgmental and evidence-based approach that accommodates their interests and safely guides them towards desired health outcomes. There are a variety of products out there, and it is critical that your clients get information from trustworthy sources. Make sure to check out the links included in the show notes at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast to get started. And remember that membership at ADCES gives you access to the education, networking, and resources to improve your practice and optimize outcomes for your clients. Find out what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.